Growing your brand to a new distribution channel? Need to maximize your purchasing power and scale faster? Time to settle now, pay later. Settle is an all-in-one cash flow management solution built for growing CPG brands. Settle Working Capital offers flexible short-term financing with competitive rates and faster access to the financing you need with credit eligibility reviews in just one to three days. The number one reason customers like Branch, Dagny Dover, and Starface love Settle? Transparent terms. No surprises, just upfront clarity on financing terms with a set pay schedule. Settle takes a holistic approach to credit reviews because sales don't tell your whole story. Also, it's non-dilutive capital. You built your brand, you keep ownership. Ready to scale to what's next? Get started for free at settle.com slash startup CPG. That's settle, S-E-T-T-L-E dot com slash startup CPG. Hey, listeners, would you like the chance to be featured on this podcast and on Startup CPG's live LinkedIn show, The Dish? If you buy a ticket for our mic drop party at Expo East by August 31st, you'll automatically be entered for a chance to win a spot on both shows. The Dish is our conversational LinkedIn live show hosted by Jenna Mobsovitz, and I'll join as well for a special episode that'll be featured on this podcast across all podcast players. The Mic Drop Party is the evening of Thursday, September 21st during Expo East in Philadelphia. During the party, we'll be featuring backpack brands and some of the incredible party guests signed up so far include retailers like Kroger, Whole Foods, Bristol Farms, media companies, and VCs. It's a karaoke venue, so get ready to sing or just come to network and sample the backpack brands, which will be announced in Slack. We expect the Mic Drop Party to sell out, so get your ticket today at the link in the show notes and we'll announce the winners the day after the party. Please note you must attend the party in person to be eligible, and this offer is only available for CPG brands. And if you already bought a ticket, good news, you're already entered. See you in Philadelphia. To be honest, like now we're really thinking, oh, we fund it more as community building more than anything. This just helped us build our personal network as far as investing so big or so much more than it was. Welcome to the Startup CPG Podcast. I'm your host, Jesse Freitag. Last time we talked about equity crowdfunding on the show, many of you let me know that you wanted more equity crowdfunding content. When I saw that Ghost Town Oats had launched their second WeFunder campaign, I thought it would be a great opportunity for us to talk more about equity crowdfunding and to introduce you to Ghost Town Oats if you aren't familiar. Ghost Town Oats is the first Black-owned, queer-owned, barista-owned oat milk company Ghost Town Oats was developed by three baristas, Michelle R. Johnson, Eric Grimm, and Ezra Baker, who were part of Oat Milk's initial rise to fame in some of the first shops to carry it. Having been unpaid ambassadors while also seeing its marketability skew toward the upper economic class of society, it was time to flip the script, make a premium oat milk of their own, and create a brand that appealed to a broader audience. They formulated Ghost Town Oats for incredible taste, steaming capability, and versatility, and the reviews are in, it's a hit. They reached $1 million in revenue 10 months after launch, they've also produced over 1 million units of oat milk, and they're already carried in over 500 coffee shops. Our guest today is Ghost Town's Chief Product Officer and Co-Founder, Ezra Baker. Listen in as Ezra shares about how Ghost Town Oats got started during the pandemic, their first WeFunder equity crowdfunding campaign in 2022, where they raised over $210,000 from almost 500 investors in less than a week, 
and NBA All-Star Jimmy Butler was a lead investor. Their second and currently ongoing WeFunder campaign, from what they learned from the first campaign to how it works to set up a campaign, how they distribute to 500 plus coffee shops and what's next for Ghost Town and the Food Service Channel, first hires for Ghost Town and how they plan ahead for future hires, press opportunities like Good Morning America, and more. Hi, Ezra. Welcome to the show today. How are you? I'm doing really good. How are you? I'm doing awesome. I'm so excited to have you here and to talk about Ghost Town Oats and your refunder campaign today. And I got to try your product recently. I ordered it from Dayglow and I had friends and family taste it. And we were all like, this is the best oat milk we have ever had. And I love oat milk. Like I already was a fan of oat milk. So I am just so impressed that I have a new favorite brand. First of all, just congratulations on an incredible product. And and then second, I'd love if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself and about Ghost Town Oats to kick us off. Thank you. That's what we like to hear. I'm Ezra Baker. I am the chief product officer. And just like everybody else, I have many hats. So I also do logistics and I'm the comptroller, and I do some bookkeeping. Anything that Michelle and Erica are not doing, that's what I'm doing. My background, so uh, like Erica and Michelle, I've been a barista for, ooh, I've been a barista since 2008. <laughs> Moved up here from Georgia and have done everything there is to do in coffee. I worked at like really big name companies and during the pandemic, like everybody else, got played by my job at the time. And me and Eric Michelle decided to come together and like work on some projects. And we ended up creating Ghost Town Oats. We wanted to create something that we could be proud of and that our community, as in the coffee community, can be proud of and partake in. And something that we can take to, especially for me and Michelle, we can take back to our community as Black people in America. Because one of our main things that we live by and that we always think about is that a lot of plant-based products are not marketed towards or in areas where there are predominantly Black people. And we want to change that. We want to actually show, like our families even, oh, there's this thing called oat milk and it is an option. Because guess what? Your ass is lactose intolerant and you can't drink milk anyway. And you need something else to replace that. <laughs> so that was the thing. And like you said, your family loved it. And that's what we want. We want people who, we want to bring in people who have not tried oat milk yet. And we want to bring them in. We want to make all of them a part of the conversation of plant-based milk. Oh, I love all of that. That's all amazing. And we're going to talk more about being in coffee shops. And like I said, your WeFunder campaign. But I'm, I wonder if you can take us back. You mentioned getting started during the pandemic. What did it look like to create your own oat milk? Were you all experimenting? And then I guess I don't know what that looks like to create. Take us back to when you're like, all right, we're going to do this. How do you get started? Well, taking us all back, just like everything during the pandemic, it was on Zoom and Google Meet. Eric and Michelle were some of the uh, only people I saw on a daily basis. And we started with the idea of a company and, and what we wanted that to look like and the branding. And what did the branding look like? And how can we reach people who haven't been reached yet? So we started with that and then came the formulation. And it's like, we're baristas. We're kind of snobby about what we drink and what we taste. So we wanted to make something that not only steamed well, which some of the other ones steam pretty good, but we wanted it also taste phenomenal. 
We wanted like anybody or mostly everybody to be able to come taste it, be like, okay, this is good. This is good. And we really wanted to reach that typical milk drinker also and have them be like, okay, this is, I might can like substitute every now and then and get me an oat milk cappuccino or something. I don't have to drink just milk all the time or I can stop drinking the milk that makes me sick. <laughs> so we really focused on, first week we addressed how to make the product steam well. And then from there, okay, how do we make this taste better? We would tell our, the like more technical formulas what we wanted. And then they would send us samples and we would all, we would basically drink it in front on camera with each other and talk about what we liked, what we didn't like, how it felt in our mouths. Cause as baristas, we are all trained to taste. Like we, we're very good at describing any sort of like, like experiences like that. And I myself, I'm a Q grader and you take 24 exams that test those skills and make sure those skills are able to accurately and like within reason tell someone else about that experience. But yeah, we brought all that together and like at each other's homes, like they cappuccinos and till we got the, the perfect product and adjusted. Yeah. And adjusted all the ingredients until we got the perfect product. And then boom, it was in production. <laughs> that it's not, wasn't so much a boom. It was like, we had the formula down, let's say. So we really started in January or December of 2020. And then we had the formula down by, it was like August of 2021. And then we went in production. We did a sample production in January of 2022. And then we were in production in June. Wow. That's really fast. <laughs> it was and almost just everything else in the past, like what, three years, it just like went by so quickly. We're like, wait, what? Huh? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Oh, that's incredible. Your background, like you mentioned being a Q grader and being a barista, as you developed the product, were there other things you were thinking about with your background? Like you mentioned it needing to steam well, did that also inform the packaging? And did you really want to make it so that baristas would be drawn to it to use it and bring it into coffee shops? Yes. The number one thing we thought about is using, we, well, we use Tetra Edge. And the reason we use or we pick Tetra Edge is because in a lot of other of the other Tetra packaging, there's this little, you open the cap and then there's this little tab. And let me tell you, like nine times out of 10, that tab breaks and you're like, you have to jab a screwdriver in it to get it out or something. So it was really important for us to be able to open it fast and that never fell. And the Tetra Edge gave us, gave us that. So yes, we did think about the baristas in that regard. And we're still thinking about the baristas. We're trying to like think up some like innovative ways to, for example, have larger formats. To be able to have a larger format because some coffee shops use like big kind of dispensers that keep the, the liquid in motion. And so they, it, they would benefit from a bigger container because then they don't have to open 500 little liters and then pour it into the machine and you choose one. So like you're, we're, we're constantly thinking about ways to make this product easier for baristas to use. And the fact that it steams easier is like a big selling point because, and it steams a lot like whole milk as, as in a technique is similar. And that's important because as a barista, you're on autopilot. So you have to you don't, it's hard sometimes to flick the switch and be like, oh, I got to do it this way this time. So you're able to do it the same way right after you steam. This seamlessly goes from regular milk to oat milk. And that was important. Just making it easy, making it almost the same. That, that, that's the biggest thing for a barista, consistency. 
And as you were getting started and you were starting to get samples of the product because of the network of the three of you, did you already have coffee shops that were like, we want to use this as soon as you make it? Or how did you decide where it was going to launch? And what did that look like to choose the coffee shops where it would first be? What's funny is that I, th- I think we knew that all our friends would want to carry it. But like when we think about that in our heads, it's oh, like four people will want it and it'll be cool. But from our first WeFunder, we saw that we had a lot of support from our community. And as soon as all our, everyone we know, like everyone in the coffee community pretty much has been like, when can I get it? And so I guess when we decided to where to launch first, we picked Southern California because that's where Michelle and Eric, my two co-founders are. And we wanted to be able to be there and be able to walk into a coffee shop and have baristas be like, oh, hey, this is what I like about the milk, or this is what I don't like about the milk, and be able to really engage with the people who are actually making it and not be some, like, tower and not being able to just in a vacuum is a better way to put it. Uh, it was important that it, it, we started in Southern California, and uh, we end up, like, magically starting also in Chicago. I don't remember how that happened, but, yeah, we're in Chicago, too. From there, it just blew up. So you mentioned the WeFunder raise in 2022, and then you have another active WeFunder campaign now. Can you tell us a little bit about that first WeFunder campaign? How did you choose a platform? Why did you choose equity crowdfunding versus other ways to raise money? I'm curious about that process. WeFunder was the only platform we saw that allowed like anybody to invest for like as low as $100. And one of the things we saw in our careers was that all these companies would like try to be buddy with the coffee industry and sponsor events or whatever and have us like really invest in using their product and the actual barista not gain anything from it. So we knew that $100 was enough. It was like low enough to where a barista could invest with their tip monies from like one or two days. That was the, what was the number one reason we picked uh, WeFunder because so many people have made money off the baristas' backs and we have n- nothing to show for it. There are POS companies that, I remember back in the day, I worked at a coffee shop and a POS company came in every day and we would be like, hey, this does not work. Can you fix this? Or why can you skip this screen without being asked for a tip. You're making us lose money and they will change it. And that company made billions off of that and we had nothing to show for it. And that's, that's not right. We want to actually, even like the opposite of what the tech industry, and I hate to be critical of the tech industry, but I am. We want the people who we're making this product for to be able to benefit from it also monetarily at that. They're not going to be like, you're not going to be a billionaire if you invest $100. You can make some change. You can make a, you can make a, you might be able to make some little change and you get to be a part of our success and not just like someone who helped us get successful. Oh, that's awesome. That's amazing. And part of that, your lead investor for that first crowdfunding was NBA all-star Jimmy yeah. Butler. Like, how did that happen? How, you know, did one of you know him? How did that work? No, that was wild. I think Jimmy was at an SEA and Michelle ended up like working behind a bar with him. And then they just started talking and he wanted to be a supporter. 
yeah, it's been a good relationship to have. It's like someone, like a little guardian angel behind somewhere that can, that got us to help us get to where we are today. We would have gotten to where we are, but it might have just taken a little longer without him. He's been great. That's amazing. And for that first campaign, how did you spread the word? What did prep look like for that campaign? Did you reach out to your networks? Was it social media? How did you get the word out? Because you raised, I think, over $210,000, which is impressive for a first campaign. And it was fast. Like, we were like over $100,000 in five days. It could have been less than that. I can't remember. But it was like, we never suspected it would be that quick. We thought we were like, oh, struggling to get up to 50. We just like posted on our personal social medias. And that's it. And people who know us shared it. And it just kept growing. And then random people started seeing our WeFunder and also investing. I think once we got past a certain pledge amount, WeFunder started advertising on their main page and that helped a lot too. So yeah, it was a wild and crazy time. <laughs> That's amazing. So after that first round, then I'm trying to think, put the timing pieces together. So you did that raise and then was right. the first big production run after that raise or timing yes. wise, where was, where did that take place? I want to say two months after that, then we had our first production run and we made 50,000 units and everyone was like, oh, that will last you six months. And it lasted like less than two, maybe a month and a half. It was like flying, like it started to be like, oh, this company is selling like a pallet a day. And then all of a sudden, three months later, they're doing a truckload a week. (laughs) So like, it's just been like trying to keep up, even trying to just keep up with who we have. It's just growing so fast to where like after two months, we were doing 60K. Then after uh, that, we were doing 80. And then after that, we're doing 120. Then now we're doing 320 thousand units it's just it's grown we're growing fast and that's why we're raising again because we need a bridge around because you only can we you can only scale up with money and we learn a lot from like our past mistakes oh we need to change some of our cogs to, to make more money do you know find different vendors and different freight carriers and freight brokers and we're learning a lot of this on the fly which i think is really fun <laughs> It's just like a lot of learning on the fly. Every day is something I've never done before in my entire life. And I'm like, oh, that's crazy. (laughs) I would have never thought. And then it's also funny. I'm going to tangent now. It's also funny, like changing, like how we're talking about money now. We're like, oh, $50,000 this, $100,000 that. And it's like three years ago, we were like $20 this, $15 that. (laughs) It's pretty wild. Yeah, that is wild. Tangents are my favorite. So I love that. (laughs) Everything happens so quickly. That's just incredible. Definitely. So I think you're in over 500 coffee shops right now. Can you talk a little bit about servicing that many coffee shops? I'm not as familiar with that channel. Are there distributors or places that you use to help consolidate servicing all those shops? Do you do a lot of shipping individually? What does it look like to service all those coffee shops? All of the above. (laughs) Okay. So we have our major distributor is Shoreline Downing, um, Southern California. They pretty much handle California and Arizona and soon Texas, I believe. Then we are partners with Go Get Em Tiger. They're like our, they're our homies. We work with them and it's been great working with them. Then in Chicago, we work with CBC and they're also great. 
We started there in Stan's Donuts. I don't know if you ever been to a Stan's Donuts. I have been to a Stan's Donuts before <laughs> this whole car- our whole conversation started. I was like, we're going to be in Stan's? They're like all over Chicago, just donut shops. And it's been growing fast with CBC and CBC does, they ship nationally. So there are a lot of little satellites popping up all around the country where we're being served. There's a coffee shop in Oberlin who's not even close, we're not close to Chicago. They have it shipped every week. They call it Slow Train. And they're like, what are CBC's biggest customers? They buy so much of our oat milk and they're great. I actually did a, a lecture guest lecture down there because my friend is professor at Oberlin. I don't know if you've been to Oberlin, but it's so small that everybody knows everybody. <laughs> but yeah, it's been pretty fast and yeah, we'll be nowhere without our, our fantastic distributors. Did you know some of the distributors from your time in the industry already or what did it look like to get set up those distributor relationships or were they reaching out to you because you grew so fast? A little bit of all, all of the above again. A lot of them, we did, we do our research. We're like, oh, who, who do people use in California or LA? That's what we would do. We'll try to figure that out. Or our problem now is like, who, who does it in New York? Or who does it in Chicago? Who, who do people like? Asking friends, that's the number one tool. Friends in our community are great. I think Eric will um, tweet out in his, on his social media, who wants oat milk in Wisconsin? Who do I know? Hit me up. <laughs> and people hit him at. And I think people like that. People like that we are a company where we're just normal ass people who may have worked with them in the past or whatever. And they could just hit us up and be like, I want some oat milk. And I'll be like, okay, (laughs) that's really fun. I mean, one of the first coffee shops I uh, worked at, Cafe Grumpy is what our one customer in New York City. And I used to work there and Caroline, the owner was like, one of my business heroes. She's she's a fantastic businesswoman, and she's she bootstrapped that company and has made it really successful. But that was my first New York account, and I'm I'm proud of that. I can say I used to work there, and now they're serving my 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 product. Crazy. Yeah, that's amazing. And how do you plan to continue to reach more coffee shops? Is there more planned outreach, or are you trying to keep up with? the inbound demand already so much. I'm curious what it looks like to continue to grow your number of coffee shops. Yeah, right now we're trying to keep up with our inbound demand. We're a little bit caught up, but we want to get a little bit further before we start adding a few more distributors. But we are looking for more distributors. And now is the time to start having those conversations. And we're also looking for a new coffee manufacturer. So there's also that. (laughs) Yeah, those are a lot of really big pieces to work in and that have you mentioned cogs and margins and those have big implications on those distributor relationships and and who your (laughs) co-manufacturer is all of that yes i hate arithmetic and i hate thinking about all that but it's necessary but yeah we've been in a deep dive of all our cogs at the moment and that's why our prices are rising a little bit because we have to there's no way we can make this happen we're always gonna we're always gonna try to stay cool for the homies As long as they can afford it, we're good. Are you a founder or critical operator spending too much time on bookkeeping, expense classification, and tweaking your financial model when you should be spending your time on customers and growth? Q Graphite. They are a full finance department as a service for early stage and growing CPG startups. Think of having a CFO, controller, and bookkeeper but for the fraction of the cost of hiring even one internal team member. That's Graphite. 
The truth is that most CPG founders fail due to a lack of understanding of their unit economics, aka a lack of proper accounting and finance. To download their free financial model template, free chart of accounts template, and other resources, go to graphitefinancial.com slash CPG. Graphite is also offering a special discount just for our listeners of 8% off their accounting and forecasting services. Head to graphitefinancial.com slash CPG to claim your discount. That's graphite, G-R-A-P-H-I-T-E, financial.com slash CPG. The product is gluten-free, and I know as someone, regular listeners know that we're a gluten-free household, so I'm curious if you can talk about the gluten-free oat sourcing. Was that a consideration where you had to look into what's gluten-free, what's not? It's not yet certified gluten-free, but the the lab analysis is so low that it's, it's basically gluten-free. We are working on getting that certification. That's a part of our looking for new co-manufacturers, so they can have a dedicated you have to think about all these does this facility have a room for your particular packaging to be gluten-free so mm-hmm. yeah we, we were that's the, the one reason we we're looking so we can get that gluten-free certifi- certification so soon it's coming soon all you celiacs out there will be safe <laughs> yes awesome yeah that's great multiple celiac family members that will <laughs> oh, be no. very excited about that so that'll be awesome when that's set up so for this current campaign, since it sounds like your first WeFunder campaign was very successful, were you like, well, it makes sense to use WeFunder again because we liked WeFunder last time? I'm curious about deciding to use WeFunder again and if there's anything that you thought about differently for this campaign versus the campaign last year. Yeah, same thing. We wanted to give working baristas a chance to invest, but not only that, it also gets the word out to other people. Since our first campaign was so successful, I feel like more people know about us and just like the chatter among all the people is bigger. So like we have gotten a lot of calls outside of WeFunder uh, about investment. So it's really, to be honest, like now we're really thinking, oh, WeFunder more as community building more than anything, because it's just helped us build our personal network as far as investing so big or so much more than it was. The goals are the goals and we want to reach those goals, but we're, we don't have so much pressure on us this time. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Like we're not checking it every single minute, every single right. hour. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious if you'd be willing to share about like getting set up with WeFunder. Does the WeFunder team help you through yes. the process to set up what your valuation cap's going to be and give you ideas about what to information to gather? What does it look like to get the campaign set up and navigate that? Yes, they do. That's more, that is definitely more Michelle's purview, but yeah, they, they do work with us, especially the first time they really worked with us on getting like our messaging across and like, any kind of legal thing that we needed all along the way already. If we need to put disclaimers on social media posts, they give us templates. They hold your hand through the, the process, especially the first time. So yeah, if they are a lot of help. They want you to be successful. That makes sense. Yeah, they want to set you up for success. But that's cool that they do help you through that because it's kind of intimidating, like setting up, you got a safe and you're yes. raising actual money from people. Like there's a lot in there that feels like it could go wrong. So that's the great thing about having a platform to help you go through it. 
and all of those things we had no di- idea about before we did WeFunder. I mean, WeFunder also has a nice little glossary, so to speak, of all the terms. And you can pretty much know everything you need to know to invest just by perusing that glossary. They do a real good job on the education aspect of investing or learning how to invest. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's amazing. When did you decide, okay, you know what, we're going to do another equity crowdfunding campaign. How long until it was like live from when you decided to to do it? A little less than a month, I believe. We decided that we we're going to do one probably first week of July or last week of June. And then we made a plan and then we did things like shoot another video and play a social media post and copy and all that for the launch. It was like, August 1st or 5th, somewhere in those lines. Yeah. So yeah, there is a lot of planning, but it's nothing like impossible, you know? Yeah. Your team seems to move very fast also, which is very impressive. Yes. Everybody is pretty much, we have four members now or five. Levant says SUNY, they've been a big help to us and taking some of the burden off of me, Michelle and Eric. So it's been great. And a lot of burden off of the show. So we're able to do the annoying stuff that we have to do. And they get to do some of the fun things. But yeah, so that's been a big help. And that's made us able to go faster. And we went faster this time because we knew what the deal was. We knew not to, I think the first time we labored a little bit too long, all went to launch. And it wasn't, it just wasn't that deep. The people just wanted us to be out there. And we were, and it happened. It didn't take us that long to stop. Yeah. Is there a deadline for people to invest? If listeners are interested in checking out the campaign, is there a deadline coming up that they need to go check it out by or? No, not really. We have to reach 50K, I think, until we meet our minimum. And yeah, just keep going until until we do that. And we can decide to extend after that. Yeah, keep looking. Okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll definitely include that in the show notes in case people want to check out the campaign and join the Ghost Town Oats team in a small way. Join the squad. We call it the squad. The Ghost Town Squad. (laughs) I love it. I'm a member of the squad then now, so I love it. I can't remember. We did come up with a stand name, but we I can't remember. Maybe it was the spirits or something. I can't remember. Oh. <laughs> I love that. That's amazing. I'd also would love to, you mentioned a little bit about hiring. And since you've grown really quickly, can you talk a little bit about when you decided to hire beyond the three of you and what positions you started out hiring in? I feel like when it started to hurt. <laughs> we have people in mind always for various things. And we want to always start within our community. We knew we wanted Lavasa to come on as a uh, social media. So we started in a smaller, maybe like a consultancy role. And then I grew really quickly because we we're like, okay, we need you now. And then Michelle just had so much admin stuff that she needed that she always knew she wanted SUNY as well. And so SUNY came on with us. The two of them have been great additions. And they're already aligned with like our ethos. All we think of is we want to give people a chance that people often overlook. And not to say that that they are those people, but we're always thinking about who's out there that no one knows about, but should know about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's what we're always looking for. Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. And it's very wise that you had some people identified too so that as you scale and are thinking you know who you can reach out to because I feel like it's really difficult if you're like oh shoot we need some money you don't even know where to start and you just got to start posting on LinkedIn or something and combing (laughs) through the application. LinkedIn uh, more like for us will probably be like 
hey, who knows how to do accounting or something? <laughs> I love it. I like that approach. Yeah. Because there's so many, there's so many really talented people in coffee that just, just sometimes they just haven't been given a chance or like they need just a, like a little lift up and that's what we want. Yeah. Yeah. They're the hungriest. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that. And maybe you've already had some demand. Maybe you're, you're in some retailers as well. But do you see this being in retail stores eventually or are you in some retail stores now? What do you think that will, what, what's ahead there? Yes, I know we're in a few small retail shops. The one I can really think of is we're in Dom's Market in Chicago. I think it's Dom's Kitchen and Market. It's like a pretty fancy grocery store. We started there in their cafe. Now we're on the shelves and they're like, they're buying a lot of product. They've been great to us. But we really want to also be in bodegas and corner stores and uh, things like that. That's the ultimate goal. goal. Like we want to be everywhere, but still remain a premium product we want to be everywhere the ultimate goal is also for us to be in this is like a something we always talk about is to be in like school cafeteria lunches yeah that'd be incredible yeah that would be great and not even for the monetary aspect but just i don't know if you went to public school or not you remember having to drink milk with every meal yeah (laughs) yeah who wants to do that Yeah. And as a person that in elementary school, you don't know what lactose intolerance is. And you're like, why do I, why do I feel sick after lunch each day? No. Why do I not feel good today? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So yeah, that would be a great step for us to be in school lunches. Yeah. That, that'd be so cool. Is any part of your team actively focused on the retail and other food service channels yet? Or is that like a down the road? The school lunch is further down the road, but yeah, we're all actively thinking about doing grocery. I think that is the next six month to a year step is us being in grocery. But the coffee industry has done us well and we're, we'll never turn our backs on them. Yeah. You've also had some incredible press opportunities with, I think, Good Morning America and some big publications. Oh, uh, Savoir. That was like a dream of mine to be in Savoir magazine. I used to read that with my boss in the cafe. I worked at in college. <laughs> oh, that's so amazing. Did they reach out to you? Yes, they did, which was also crazy. (laughs) I bet that was just wild to get that outreach message. It was, but then the interview was like easy. (laughs) Nice. I'm like, dude, it's weird. You don't even think about it anymore. You're like, oh my God. And then you're like, just sitting on the phone talking with some person. (laughs) Oh, that's incredible. Just like now. (laughs) Yep. Just like right now. I'm not quite at the caliber that we're talking about. It's all the same. It's all good. (laughs) Was a lot of that outreach, though, people just seeing what you were doing, active in the coffee community? Did any of you do any outreach to any publications or news outlets? we did not. Uh, Maybe a little bit was our WeFunder, but I know we did a little PR, like a little bit, but it just kept coming to us. Felt like out of nowhere. The three of us have all made a name for ourselves in coffee, so I think that had a lot to do with it, but we would have never thought that we would be reach to as much out to as much as we have been and i think one article just leads to another one to another one to another one so Mm -hmm. yeah it was pretty wild right and with good morning america i'm curious if being on tv did you get different types of outreach after that follow-up from tv versus like other publications i think we got maybe a, a little bit more tv press maybe but i feel like the written press was the real driver of it all okay interesting yeah Good Morning America came through Prosperity Market, which is like a black-owned, like, old farmer's market or flea market of sorts. 
and they got a lot of press and that kind of helped, that kind of pushed us too. So yeah, and us doing the black market flea in LA, that kind of helped us get a, a lot of press. I've learned from working in coffee that just being where people who work in press are, they'll find you. <laughs> they'll mm, look for you. Mm-hmm. Any coffee shop, they're like, oh, a bunch of, for what random example, a bunch of Vogue editors come here. Then all of a sudden you're in best coffee shop in New York City on Vogue or whatever. So that's how it works. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's incredible. Because I'm not as familiar with the food service for coffee shops. Are there trade shows as well where the product can be featured at? Or have you gotten any trade shows? We have been used in booths at trade shows, but we have not done our own booth yet at a trade show. That's something else that we'll, we're probably looking at doing in the coming years as well. We do see the benefit of that. But as of now, it's mostly we do events during a trade show. That's what we've been doing the last few. Okay. What are some of the trade shows? Is it LA Coffee Fest? Yeah, LA Coffee Fest. We did a party last year with them. This year, we were just in the booth at LA Coffee Fest. SEA, we were featured with Big Face at the Larmer Zucco booth. And I think that's all we've done so far this year and last. That's awesome, though. But it's also, I'm like, wait a minute, it's only been like two years. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. it hasn't been two years. It's been a full year in production in a, in a month. Yeah, not very <laughs> long. Like, it not more than that. <laughs> yes, it hasn't been long. So yeah, like three three trade shows on our belt in the last year. Yeah, wow. More to come. Yes. I'm also curious if you could tell us a little bit about working with Dayglow, because that's how I purchased the product and that makes it directly available to consumers. Is that something that you just apply to be featured by them because they have curated boxes? How did that work to get that relationship set up? So they were one of our first customers, actually, them using us in the, in their shop. And they are also friends of those town and the owner Tom is an advisor to us we often go to him for some advice but yeah that's just how it happens they knew we were gonna make a good product they tasted the product and they're like yes this is good like we thought you're gonna make and they've been a from the beginning supporter and we're in both their LA and Chicago stores and I'm pretty sure we're gonna be in their New York store I don't think I don't know if we've ironed that out yet how that's gonna happen but I'm pretty sure we're going to be in their New York store that's opening soon, too. Oh, that's amazing. I had never gotten a package from them before, and it was so cool. Like, it was just this cool box. And yeah, it was like an experience opening it. I subscribed to their coffee subscription club. And yeah, the packaging is fantastic. Yes. It's very cute. I'm also curious just because we're on a podcast together and I went and listened to some of your podcast episodes from the past. Are you actively podcasting still or do you want to get back into it? If if not, yeah. like curious about what's going on podcasting for you. Yeah, me and my partner on our podcast, no free refills. We just need to get it together. She actually had a baby. So like life is a little more crazy for her. So once we get it together, we're going to be back talking about pop culture and coffee. <laughs> Nice. Oh, I can't wait. That's awesome. I'll link it in the show notes so that when you're back, yeah, everybody can find the Soon. show. That's we're, awesome. Every week or every other week, we text each other an idea. We're like, we got to do it. Or every time we watch something, this, oh my God, did you see that? We're like, we got to do that. We got to do an episode on this. When are you available? When will someone have the baby? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're going to make it and we're going to make it happen. Nice. I love it. Is there anything else that we didn't cover today that you wanted to make sure to share about before we go into some 
links and other ways to make sure that people find you. But I'm curious if there's anything else you wanted to mention today. Just like if you have a coffee shop, hit us up at uh, squad at ghosttown.world. Great. Yeah, no, that's awesome. Yeah. And then people can go to ghosttown.world, right? Yes. Yes. Ghosttown.world. And you see three ghosts revolving around a, a planet. <laughs> Awesome. So yeah, I'll include that in the show notes. I'll include what you just mentioned for coffee shop outreach. I'll include the link to the WeFunder campaign so people can make sure to check that out. Yeah. And then are you active on LinkedIn? Is that a way for people to connect with you as well? Or Sure. We're on LinkedIn. Hit us up. We will send a form response to you that LinkedIn gives us. And then you will do the same. Nah, hit us up. We'll get with you. Great. This has been awesome, Ezra. I so appreciate you coming on the show and sharing about Ghost Town Oats so far and all the growth that's happened in such a short amount of time. And I really hope that folks head to the WeFunder page and join the squad or the spirits. Mm. And the spirits. yeah, the spirits. I love it. What if it was the graveyard? I, th- I think I like that too. The graveyard. Ooh. I like that. I like that. Kind of, remember Arsenio Hall? He had a dog pound. I like the same thing, the graveyard. Yeah, I like it. Awesome. Thank you so much. This has been so fun. Yes, this is very fun. Thank you for listening in today. I'm so honored you joined me for this conversation. And I love hearing from you all with feedback, suggestions, or if you just want to say hi at podcast at startupcpg.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn. If you liked this episode, we'd love for you to share it with a friend or colleague, subscribe so you don't miss future episodes, and maybe even leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. If you aren't yet in our Slack community of founders and experts, we'd love to see you there. You can get the free invite at startupcpg.com and find all our other awesome resources there like webinars, databases, the blog, the magazine, and virtual and in-person events. And if you found yourself rocking out to our intro and outro music, which I do every single time, make sure to check out the Super Fantastics on Spotify. It's the band of our startup CPG founder, Daniel Scharf. I'm Jesse Freitag, your host and producer. And on behalf of the whole team at Startup CPG, thank you for being here and see you next week.